Hey, Cameron. Yeah, Miles? Have you ever heard of solar opposites? Actually, Miles, I have. Sorry to burst your bubble. That's okay. I guess it's more of a supernova. Hello, friends of the podcast. I'm Miles, your host. And I'm Cam. And today we are going to talk about solar opposites. This is a lovely creation of Justin Rowland and and Mike McMahon. Mahan? Mike McMahon? I think it's McMahon. McMahon? I think, yeah, I think McMahon? that McMahon. Yeah, I think that works. Don't know. Never heard him say it out loud. So it, this is a creation for Hulu, uh, originally created for the Fox Broadcasting Company in that. But, but uh, then, of course... Hulu bought them out. Well, then Disney bought them out, and therefore Hulu just flipped over to Disney, right? Pretty much, yes. <laughs> so uh, this is an interesting show for uh, a lot of people. Kind of, kind of a Rick and Morty feel, I guess I'd say. And it takes place on Earth with uh, some aliens from the planet Schlorp that uh, have crash-landed on Earth, and they're trying to fix their ship and terraform Earth, or leave. Uh... To get away from how horrible of a place this place is. As he says in what? In the introduction, our our planet blew up and now we crash landed on a planet that is overpopulated. It's already overpopulated. Right, that that's what it was. It's already overpopulated. Yes. So it, I'm a huge fan of this show when I saw a few clips of it and I uh, I picked it up. I was like, oh my god, this this is amazing. Um for those of you who don't know about it, uh, a lot of people say that Justin Rowland uh, did actually kind of get reined in a little bit by uh, Adult Swim to make Rick and Morty. And Dan Harmon as and Dan well. Dan Harmon as well, yes. So this is kind of like uh, Justin just going full himself <laughs> or being held back less so. <laughs> yeah, that. That's definitely the impression I got as we watched through it. I mean, we just finished the first season. I mean, there's only eight episodes, but, you know, sometimes with shows like this, they can be pretty intense, even just... Uh, we'll, we'll, we're definitely going to get into that, but it's yeah. just... It's a lot. <laughs> um, but I guess we should first ask her... I should first ask you, Cameron... Did you enjoy this show? Yes, I did. Uh, yes, I did end up enjoying it. I would say the first, maybe, yeah, the first episode was a bit of a hard sell because of the fact that it, again, just felt like pure, unstrained, unadulterated Justin Roiland. And I have seen some of the stuff that he did before, uh, before he did Rick and Morty. Um, like some of his original, uh, I can't remember what, uh, what group he was with, but he used to post stuff on Newgrounds and places like that. And there was, he was part of a group that, 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 that had kind of like their own banner that they released stuff under. Someone will probably tell us and then I'll be like, yeah, that's what the name of it was. But I do remember like the progenitor for Rick and Morty was a series called Doc and Marty. Um, kind of a parody of Doc Brown and Marty McFly. 
And that's what basically became Rick and Morty. Right. And then they just took out a lot of the, like, fetish stuff and other things that, again, I remember, I watched it and and some other things, and I was just like, one when people told me about this, I said, you know what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to take a pass. And then you had me watch, and I said, okay, now... Now is probably the time, so let's watch it. So yeah, first episode, definitely, I was like, okay, this is feeling like a little much because while it is funny, there's also a whole bunch of gross-out stuff in here that, you know, doesn't really mesh with me when I think of... When I think of comedy, I don't necessarily think of gross-out comedy. That's not really my thing. Okay, fair enough. I think, well, all of comedy is kind of my thing. So, I can find anything funny. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like there are there there are still funny things. And and that was just the first episode. Once once we got past that, I actually started enjoying it a whole lot more. By the end of the first season, I actually did think it was really good and was definitely not what I was expecting in the sense of again, I'd still thought maybe it was going to be pretty over the top in some ways, in terms of gross-out stuff. But in some ways, I still felt that it was somewhat reined in. <laughs> well, you never know. They could have went up to him and said, okay, Justin, you got one episode to start with to go full out, and after that, we're, we're, we're going to go a little bit more honed in. You never know. But we, uh, We're still putting this on a network, okay? Just because we're rating this M for Mature doesn't mean that you can just, you know have people eating poop or something like that. You only got to do that one time in Rick and Morty. Well, so, oh, you know, I guess twice, but whatever. So I guess the next question here then uh, to carry on is, uh, would you recommend this to others? Honestly, yes. If I know anyone who has seen Rick and Morty and really enjoys Rick and Morty, then I would just say, check this out. You know, you might... It might not be your thing because there might be certain aspects of it that were also aspects in Rick and Morty and those weren't your favorite parts. And so then you realize, oh, okay, so now that I'm seeing more of that in this show, then this doesn't really do it for me. But I wouldn't really know that until I have a long conversation with people about Rick and Morty. And Rick and Morty is also one of those shows where I'm not sure how much of a long conversation I want to have with people that like it. I feel like I might learn There's things. There's a college about... humor episode on that. <laughs> not not pertaining to Rick and Morty, though. Yeah, yeah, actually. Oh, really? There's a college human humor episode where uh, they have a fan of Rick and Morty going to uh, um, relationship counseling with Rick and Morty, the show embodied as a person, and it is freaking great. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna have to go watch that because I'm I'm really curious well, now. While you're gonna go watch that, I think uh, we should. Uh, go into our spoilers territory, and for that we should put on a little bit of Pink Floyd. Why Pink Floyd? For the wall. Bill! <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you walked into that one. <laughs> oh. So after that zinger, <laughs> oh man, let's get into some spoiler territory here. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, they kind of lay it all out, what the plot is in the intro, right? Like, they're there to terraform the planet. Of it, course. 
into uh, the same as what was the name of the planet that they came from? Schlorp. Schlorp. Yeah. How can you not remember these names? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't blame you at all. I have a hard time remembering the names of people I just met. So by all means, I'm literally doing this while looking at a, uh, uh, a like Wikipedia article and stuff. <laughs> I mean. It's one thing to remember the names, and actually sometimes that's not even the case because, what is it, the, uh, quote, son of the family, what's, uh, what, what is his name? Yumulak. Yumulak, okay. Let, let's go through all the characters here, because okay, like, we are right, going let's, to. Yeah, so, let's do that. Uh, Justin Roland stars as Corvo. Right, and he's basically doing his Rick voice. Yeah, he's Rick <laughs> just without the drinking, who's actually kind of serious about everything. Yeah, so he's kind of less of an asshole than Rick. Let, well, let, let's be honest. he's about the same of an asshole, but he's just not as intense. Yeah, that, yeah. That, oh, that's, he's a different kind of intense. That, that's, he's that's, past tense. Yeah, that's true. That's a better way to look at it. Uh, and then there's uh, Terry, who's played by Thomas Middleton. Middleditch. Middleditch, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, Corvo's evacuation partner and the pupa specialist, apparently. Uh, he enjoys being on Earth at Earth and is satisfied or fascinated with the human culture. As evidenced by the changing shirts that he has every episode. Oh, yes. Straight out of anime. Got Dilf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was... Uh... Man, what was one of the other good ones? There was one, he was wearing a Leet shirt. I think it said, It's a Trap on it, and it was all spelt in Leet. Oh, yeah. And then there's the uh, bacon and lettuce and tomato. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Some great... Oh, God. uh, His fashion sense is something I strap for. (laughs) Uh, So, Yumulak, he is the quote-unquote son. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's played by Sean uh, Giambroni. Giambroni. Sure. <laughs> he actually played as Ron in Kim Possible, if I'm correct. Yep, Ron Whoa! Whoa, that... Wow, okay. All right. And he's also Adam F. Goldberg in The Goldbergs. Well, I mean, the fact that he was Ron from Kim Possible is probably, like... Uh, that's pretty big right there. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't notice that. <laughs> His voice okay. sounds kind of the same, but... Uh... Well, I haven't watched any Kim Possible in forever. And even then, I think I maybe only watched one or two. Yet again, growing up never having cable, and especially not having access to anything that had Disney shows on it. That's true. But anyways. So then there's also Mary Mack, who plays Jessie, uh, the quote-unquote female character uh, of, the, of the group, or the female, the daughter, I guess you could say. That was a good episode. Um, so uh, she's known for some stuff. She was in Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Uh, she's also actually in the Conan, the newer stuff, the 2016 stuff. Oh, uh, for... Oh, okay. And she's, she does a lot of comedy and music stuff. So she's actually pretty... I would pretty hope well. so when it comes to these sorts of things. And then uh, there's Sagan Mc, uh, McMahon. <laughs> Who is the pupa? And I do believe Sagan Levan is actually uh, related to related to Mike. Mike, yes. <laughs> huh. So uh, he's so the pupa some... is just the sort of infant alien that uh, is designed to terraform the planet that they head to in order to turn the new place into the old planet Schlorp, and everybody can reconvene on it. Well, I wonder if it's like his kid or something like that, because most of the except in the final episode where it was somebody else voicing the pupa 
um, in the um, in the mind warping stuff or whatever he was doing with that woman. Every other time we hear him, he uh, the pupa has like childlike uh, voicings. It- yes, I. Uh, <laughs> it must be a kid because. There is no information online about uh, relationships or anything like that. Now, since we are in the spoiler territory, we can move on to the next group of people. And which that which is one? The, the ones that are... Oh, <laughs> the denizens of the wall? Yes. So we're going to start <laughs> off talking about the first person that we see in the wall. Uh, Alfred uh, Molina is oh, the one playing the... Ringo, who is... Who becomes the Duke. Oh! Oh! I totally did not make that connection. Yes, Ringo is... uh, Oh! Becomes the Duke. Wow. Wow, I kind of missed that. That's actually pretty cool, though. Uh, So then after that, we meet uh, Tim Weekly, who is also known as Leslie. Uh, he's played or by you mean Andy Lindsay? Deli. Lindsay? Lindsay? Lindsay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lindsay, blah, sorry. Uh, another one of Yumulak's uh, captives who shrunk down because he was wearing a red t-shirt. <laughs> red That's shirt. the reason? <laughs> that, that, you don't remember that? that? They're sitting in the, the, the fast food place. He's like, oh, red shirt, and shoots him. And he's oh, like, yeah, now I got, now I got so the color red. And, oh, you know, this is the okay. last time we're going to do this. Like I said... <laughs> There are so many things that happened, and sometimes, especially in the in the first couple episodes, some things were happening so fast that sometimes I miss, like, a key part. Like, the fact that it was specifically the red shirt that got him. <laughs> yep. You gotta be watching closely with my stuff, man. <laughs> now, I do remember... Um, Sherry? Yeah, Sherry. Uh, and that was because, what was it, she gave him seafood or something? Yes. And- and that was what, and and so he was like, ah, you're trying to kill me or something because he's allergic or, or or something like that. Yes, uh, she's actually voiced by Christina Hendricks. Oh wow, who is uh, pretty? <laughs> if you don't know who people. <laughs> if you don't know who Christina Hendricks is, um, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Yep. <laughs> Same with Alfred Molina, actually. And then there's uh, there's a whole bunch of others that kind of come in, but. Uh... Those are those are the three like big ones. Yeah, those are some of the more the big ones that you need to know. Did we so, say uh, so? Tim is voiced by Andy Daly. I don't think yeah. we had said that. Oh yeah, I did. Oh, you Andy did. Daly. Yeah, I said Andy Daly. Oh man, even right now I'm starting to forget things, or I'm, or I'm slipping. <laughs> I'm slipping up. I'm missing stuff. Yeah, Andy Daly is also a fairly pr- pretty predominant person too. He's done a lot. Brave Little Toaster. Mm-hmm. And uh, School for Scoundrels. <laughs> You should know that one. Yes, uh, I do. Yes, yes, I do. Yep, I I do, as we've talked about in previous episodes. <laughs> we should get somebody to watch that one. But uh, let's carry on and talk about the, the whole plot of this show. Uh, you you kind of have two different plots here. The first <laughs> plot is what happens with the aliens. Uh, the aliens themselves, uh, the Shlorpians, I guess we'll call them, mm-hmm. are actually tree people. They are not, they are living plants. And uh, they kind of do their thing and they're trying to get off Earth. Well, one of them is. The other one's just trying to live his life. Uh, the kids are going, the, or the, the replicants, which are the, supposed to be like the children, are going to school because they're smaller. So that's what they see the humans doing and that's what they got to do. So they call them replicants and they say that every time you watch the intro, of course. And so 
I was wondering towards the end, so does that mean that they're clones, or does it just mean that that's their term for an adolescent? So you got to kind of think about it this way. They are plants, right? Right. They're not technically clones. They are clippings. Ah, I see. Okay. So it's like when you take a tree and you take right, a clipping from yeah. it and you move it and somewhere you else go, and you grow yeah, it. Yeah, and you can still grow it's a new tree. It's technically the same tree. It's just another version mm-hmm. of it, right? Right. That makes sense. I get it. Okay. That, okay. That makes sense. I, I just wondered a little bit about that. But yeah, with you saying, making the connection with the fact that they're actually tree people. Uh, I will actually <laughs> say that I did not make that connection. Oh, really? The... The award goes to my girlfriend. She actually figured that out because she's a plant person. Ah. And she actually described it to me because I kept... I did ask that question about the replicants and I was like, oh, you know, the clones. And she's like, they're not clones. They're tree people. And, you know, it's sort of like this and that. That's and, actually uh, really actually That's talk really about clever. it in the later episodes too, so... As in, like, beyond season one? Yes. Oh, okay. That's still really clever though. And I like that. That's cool. So, uh... <laughs> I guess the three different, uh, the four different people we have in this family, uh, we can kind of talk about it and that and their interactions is we got the uh, Corvo, who is right. the guy who wants to just get off the planet. He's tired of all these people. He hates them. He hates how uh, how much they suck. Why aren't they having sex with old people? And oh, God. <laughs> why aren't they giganticizing their family? If you love your family, you're supposed where to giganticize the, them. Where are all the dinosaurs? What did they do to the dinosaurs? <laughs> Why do people cook bread twice? Like, it's, what's the point of that? <laughs> These are all things that are uh, talked about in the intro. Uh, the next person is uh, Terry, who loves Earth, and he just wants to go with the flow and enjoy his time and everything. Uh, Yumulak, the, you know, the sun the guy. Sun. The sun. <laughs> the, blue, the, the blue replicant. He, um, he wants to be a, he's a proclaimed, self-proclaimed scientist and bounty hunter. And loves to shrink people and put them into his terrarium, also known as the wall. And then we have Jessica, or Jessie, who is the uh, Terry's replicant. And she's generally kind of wants to just fit in with human society. So they do identify as she, right? I mean, because that was the funnier thing in the one episode. Uh, what was that? Episode six? Where, where, where her teacher, yeah. yeah, where her teacher says, all of you women go out there and, uh, break a glass ceiling. All you guys just, I don't know, just do whatever. It's about, it doesn't you should, matter. It doesn't matter. Life is easy for you. Yeah. Oh, so good. It's kind of funny because in a way it almost feels like that episode was sort of, uh, coming from the opposite side of the of the Raising Gazorpazorp episode from season one of Rick and Morty, yeah. where it was just all, you know, gendered jokes and a lot of them kind of really old. And I don't know if out of date is the right term, but very much just kind of uh, those jokes, those jokes just, they're not funny anymore or they shouldn't be funny. <laughs> I don't know. I still love the part where they're like, the women get to stay in and get uh, raised and cultured. The boys the get, boys to, get play to play outside. outside. <laughs> Well, there were little things that, like, little background things. Like, uh, when you hear uh, the announcements or whatever, and one of them says the, the spider that's on the, the, on, the, on the tramway is still there. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
So, yeah, that was that was good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So little things like that. <laughs> Um, and, and also similarly here too, where, uh, yeah, I, again, I the think shunning <laughs> the yeah. ultimate punishment. Yes. Shunning. Yes. So in some oh. ways I feel that that is actually on one hand, it's, it's a strength and also sort of a weakness because sometimes you just throw so much stuff in here that you can't get all of it on the first pass, which I guess would encourage you to watch it a second time. But there still might be things that you just don't notice because you still get fixated on certain things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the hard things about uh, Dan Harmon and, uh, and Roland, Justin Rowland's uh, comedy. Is <laughs> just you how have they to, operate. You have to watch it multiple times to get it all, which sucks. But at the same time, can be enjoyable. <laughs> oh, that was another thing that I would just quickly say. So Justin Roiland obviously voices a few characters in this um like the main important one is that he is voicing corvo and it reminded me in the first episode because this isn't as noticeable in the other episodes but he kind of approaches voicing corvo the same way that he voices rick and morty which means that he stutters a lot and sometimes i wonder if part of that is that he does a lot of improvising of his lines and ad-libbing them <laughs> and again, coming from a performance background myself, I always sit there and I go, so improv is great if everybody's aware of it, but then there are other times where you just need to know your lines and just say the lines and oh. just get on with it. So you're telling me you dislike Bob's Burgers now. Why? Because there's a lot of stuff in there that is straight improv well, I mean, there are lots of things, uh, like if you think about movies like Aladdin, for example, or quite a pretty much any comedy that Robin Williams was in, they very much knew that anytime he would be doing a funny scene or something, okay, we're just going to get multiple takes and choose the best one for whatever you came up with in for, for that take. I guess the, I, I guess the thing that the, the kind of throws me off a little bit when it comes to Justin Roiland Again, it's very reined in and a whole lot better, but in the first episode, it very much seems like he's on a train of thought and then he'll automatically just like shift onto something else. And instead of going, okay, choose one of those, let's redo that and let's do it with that one so it sounds a little bit cleaner. It, it always just sounds really disheveled and it throws me off. But again, part of that probably just comes from the way I've been trained to, to do performing stuff, which is we don't want stuff like that because that might derail other people that you're performing with. Fair enough. <laughs> and nobody, well, it's not, it's not fun if people just like kind of get thrown off. You can lose the momentum and the energy. But again, that was, that was effectively just in the first episode. And then I didn't really notice it at all after that. Yeah. Which I think was also one of the reasons why, as we were going through the season, I was like, actually, I do like this. I don't have I, any preconceptions that I had about how bad, I say in quotes, it might have been. Just again, for my own, what I like and what I dislike. Um, I, I found myself going, yep, yeah, uh, for anything that I thought. I did not notice any of those things or those things weren't there. So I was wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. 
And sometimes so, it's and sometimes that's okay to be wrong. So that's kind of what's going on with the main plot. Uh, you know, just your basic sci-fi conspiracy stuff. But let's talk about the subplot here. The wall. <laughs> so, the wall. of course, Yumulak <laughs> is going around shrinking people and throwing them to, into his terrarium that is referred to as the wall. And uh, there's a whole civilization of people live in there. Because there's a lot of people that they've put in there. I mean... How, uh, it takes up what, like their, their whole closet, effectively? Yeah, they basically took out a huge portion of the wall. Yeah, and then, and then they just, just put, put the in, in there. Yeah. And, and they're sci-fied it, you know, so that way nobody can really see it. So that way people aren't like, holy shit, you guys are freaks and shrinking people down. And each individual unit of the terrarium is, I don't know, it looked like they were shoebox sized, I think. Roughly, yeah, but yeah. there's a lot of them. You're mm-hmm. talking like a full... Probably seven foot by ten foot mm-hmm. wall yep. of these shoe boxes. Mm-hmm. And when people are shrunk down to, I don't know, they're like the inch s- high. Yeah, like and thumb thumb size. Probably, probably about three. A little smaller. Inch, yeah, inch. yeah. And that means that a shoe box size all of a sudden is probably what like uh, this two or three uh, block radius. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's quite a bit of room down there. Well, I mean, and we see that as we get to see more of the... I mean, considering that a mouse turns into uh, a cow. Size of a cow, yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely gives you an impression because, I mean, I've seen mice, and mice are not that big. Nope, especially no, not. Especially the mouse that they would have found in their house. And they do show you the size of the mouse and... In the last episode, <laughs> compared to oh the yeah, that's, actually that's a, oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, oh, it man. wasn't it wasn't a very big mouse. Oh, uh, you know that that makes me sad a little bit to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I loved how they made you uh, fall in poor, love with poor them, Molly. Uh, just like gets thrown out with the trash effectively, and Jesse's just like, oh no, we need to better police our the wall or something. Well, we've got to clean it out more often. That's what it was. We need to <laughs> it's clean got it out. To yeah. do with That's what it was. She That's what give it was. A shit about that. <laughs> well, I mean, she kind she's of. She's a real god. <laughs> she kind of cares because she's the one who keeps giving them, well, candy. <laughs> I was about to say she's giving them food, and I'm like, well, she's well, giving them. Well, she doesn't know candy. what she yeah. doesn't know what humans eat. It's she sees true. candy, it's and she's true. like, okay, well, that's what they eat. So yep. here, have this. It's easy for me to get, and I can get lots of it cheap. It's true. <laughs> so. I'm going to spoil a little bit for you in season two. Oh, dear. But it's kind of cool what happens um, when it comes to, to food and everything. We're, I'm going to let you figure it out. Okay. Uh, but I will say that that kind of stuff gets really cool and interesting. But we'll get to there when we get to there. Let's just carry on with the wall because it's so good. So <laughs> so where, how exactly do we start with the wall? <laughs> uh, let's start with the fact that uh, the first person that we see get shrunk down is the janitor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets thrown in the wall. I, I think the janitor is actually Ringo. Yeah, if it's not, it could be him, but I don't think it's, it is. Yeah, I don't it's, know. It's hard to tell. It's kind of hard to tell. I think they have the same face and body shape yeah, to start. But, and then, of course, he gets super buff because he had to kind of take over the, the wall. And, and then, then he goes he, back to yep, the original and then shape. He gets, uh, and then he's all... Well, but even then, the last time we see him this season... Um, cause he doesn't, you know, he gets away, right? Yes. Um, so it's probably not the last time we're going to see him. 
But the last time we see him, we see that he's, you know, he is living the good life. And he is uh, getting... No, no, he's imposing the will of the people uh, performed by Tim Cast. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, (laughs) you know, he's... He wishes he could help them all and show them all his vision, but you know what? Unfortunately, that's just not, it's not feasible. So some people have to die. So. Well, it's very interesting. I, th- I think that is one of the great things about the wall is that they effectively just, cr- it's kind of like the battery that Rick uses to power his car, right? It's a pocket universe. And then of course, another pocket universe is created inside of it. And, in theory, I suppose he's about to create another pocket universe inside of that until he, yeah. But the, it doesn't really work like that because it's not like they're shrinking people down to make things work. They're, this yeah. is just like, this is the bottom of the bottom and they're all trying to survive. So they created a feudal system. Yeah. Which, you know, well, actually, that's a good point. That That is, that's a good way to distinguish it because even though it's the same situation of how... Yumulak and Jesse are gods to these people, uh, even before they get shrunk down. They are effectively gods with how powerful they are with all of their science and technology. Um, But you compare it to Rick when he makes his battery. He very specifically creates a pocket universe and then goes in there and makes them use their power creating device so i can't remember it's like a stairmaster effectively yeah 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 and that's how they create the charge that charges the battery um and he very specifically did that so of course their civilization is built around that and he kind of helps cultivate it whereas that doesn't happen here at all they're just like into the wall you go you (laughs) You need to you you need to feed them something okay here you take care of that and then just away they go (laughs) it's so so surreal i love this kind of stuff this as you said cameron is my shit (laughs) well if there's one thing again i had heard about this before and this was one of the things that people kept talking about and i'm gonna admit it when people were first talking about the wall it's the way it was being phrased in like uh forum posts and discord chats logs and stuff like that it seems like people were referring to the wall as a character. And so I was thinking, I was imagining the wall as some kind of blob-like entity or something that doesn't speak and just goes around and just, you know, it's the muscle of the family or something like that. <laughs> and here I am watching the show and I'm like, no, this that, isn't is, at all that isn't that at all. <laughs> it's much better. It. Are you telling me the wall isn't that at all from what you recall? Yes, not a. Uh, that is. I was trying to. I was trying to figure out a way to continue on with that, and I'm like, nope, nope, I can't. It left do you that. appalled. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that enthralled? at all. Enthralled. Yes, very much more enthralled. There we go. Mm-hmm. Now, before we pull our hair out and go bald, let's carry on. <laughs> As you can see, I'm a lot of fun with D and D. Well, we haven't I piss really. People off. <laughs> so we haven't spoken too much about, I think, uh, the pupa, because the pupa sure gets up to its own adventures too. Oh, the pupa! What a beautiful character! You know, though the, it it 
it really drives home that there's like a huge plot going on and they both don't care about it. <laughs> like their, their whole job is to get this thing to terraform a planet, any planet, doesn't matter. Who cares what's there? And they just don't care about it at all. Like for all sorts of time, they just let it do whatever the hell it wants. They don't care. It's eating the gooblers and... <laughs> well, to be fair though... Corvo doesn't care because it's not his job. It's true. I mean, we only learn we only learned that in the final episode, but Oh no, he's been saying it throughout the whole thing. Oh, you that's know, you true. You are the pupil expert. You gave him candy. Why did you do that? I did that once and well, he's oh, getting candy okay. and it's not for me. Well, that's I don't a good know where point. He's well, you're the pupil man. You're the pupil pupa specialist. You should be watching after him doing your job. That's a that's a good point. That's a good point. So, well, I I guess I mean it more in the sense of um, similarly to what happens with the Mank Kate, with the Mank Ave, the Man uh, Mank Mank Ave, Mank Ave, uh, Ave yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> Still don't know where where they where they create. Um, oh shoot, what the heck do they do they call their uh, Patricia? Patricia, yes. yes. I I don't even want to remember exactly what the acronym was spelled out as, but. When when they created Patricia, and with the way it was in how they were differentiating between Corvo and Terry, so I kind of figured up until the final episode where it is out and out stated, for those that I guess weren't paying attention, like me, <laughs> where it is stated that Terry is the, the one who's supposed to be the caretaker for the pupa, um, I had honestly just thought that Corvo was just... Terry's a lazy slob, and he's not taking any of this seriously, so he should look after the pupa. That's kind uh, of the that was kind of the vibe that I was getting. Well, your first half is right. The second half <laughs> is mostly correct, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's it, it was great. It, it was super good. It's interesting how the the subplots or the main plots work in this show because you've got whatever Corvo and Terry are doing and then you've got whatever Jesse and uh, Yumulaka are up to. Then you've got the wall. It doesn't and always then, show up. But, and then you have the pupa as and well. And then you have the pupa. So you've got like four things happening in any given episode. And it's actually, it's amazing how well balanced it is because it doesn't feel like you're missing anything you know it's only that's, only, that's because i'm telling you to look at the backgrounds too though <laughs> let's be honest here okay there's a but, lot of stuff that happens with the pupa that's sort of like in the background that's happening yeah but there are other things that are happening in the background that just add to some of the jokes like uh, the bear stuff well <laughs> okay so there's the, the during episode. the wall during the wall episode but no i'm thinking more of uh the episode where corvo becomes a magician and he keeps you know doing the disappearing smoke and then you just look off in the corner and you see him running away yeah but they they put it just far enough into the corner that if you aren't really taking it all in that you'll miss it yeah You'll think he's using some sort of science equipment or something, a teleporter. I actually think it's really clever how they do it because I can think of so many other similar comedy shows, whether they be live action or animated, where they do the same thing, where they, you know, throw down a smoke bomb or whatever, and then you see them running away and they either might be seen by the other characters and they're like, 
come on, we saw you, we saw you go through the door or something like that. Or they miss it because they're right there and they're like, ah, smoke. But we as the audience are like, he didn't actually disappear in the smoke. He just ran away. But I like the way they do it here, where if you're not paying attention, you can miss it. Exactly. This is, again, a love letter to how I like to watch my TV and movie shows and that. And that is by paying very close attention to what's going on. Because the moment that you don't, you missed something important. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, the way I watch TV is like how a lot of people run marathons. You are involved in it, and you are taken with it, and you have to go. <clears throat> Which is perfectly fine. I don't... Um, yeah, I would, I would absolutely say that this is probably... Well, perhaps for the first couple times you watch through it, uh, you are going to have to actually be paying attention. Because otherwise you will miss tiny things. And those tiny things can turn into large things over the course of the season. Oh, yes. Um, Whereas, yeah, this definitely doesn't seem like a show that I would just have on in the background. Um, Just because it's like BoJack Horseman. It's not necessarily something that I want to just put on in the background because there are things that I actively enjoy from watching the show. Yep. And I I don't get the same... It's not the same experience if I just have it on in the background and periodically I might turn my head and see a scene or something. Yeah. No, I get that. And I don't know. I've never really been a huge fan of TV that you can do that with. I've always liked my my TV that pulls me out of everything, or pulls me into it and takes me with it. No, you've never been a fan of soap operas? (laughs) First of all, soap doesn't sing. Second of all... (laughs) Neither do most of the people in those shows. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Oh, man, what's another good, I suppose, example? Well, pretty much any procedural show, right? Or, um, like... Well, like how it's made and stuff like that? No, no, no. Procedural is police shows. Like oh. Law & Order, Blue Blood, CSI, oh. NCIS. No. The list goes on. They can all go away. <laughs> That's generally what people mean when they talk about a procedural show. Actually, there's a procedural show, I say in quotes, that you'll like. But probably because of the fact that you've seen the movie that this show was based off of, The Naked Gun. Okay, yeah, I have seen them. Yeah, it's so so the, naked, so the Naked Gun was the second crack, because it was the same people that made the airplane movies, right? Yep, and they which based, are also great. Yeah, so they got together with uh, Leslie Nielsen again, and they pitched a show, and it, and it was going to be a police procedural, but it was a comedy set effectively the same way that they had done airplane movies because this was before Naked Gun happened. Police Squad is what they called it, which I think is why the first Naked Gun is the Naked Gun from Tales from, or Cases from Police Squad, because it came off of that. Um, It only lasted for like five or six episodes before it got canceled by the network. And the reason why, like every single creative person involved in that they all had the same response it was too smart for the audience they were required to watch the show in order to get the jokes yeah you know what 
That sounds like my kind of stuff. And if oh, you yeah. show me this, I'm going to have to I'm going to show oh, you one yeah. that, that that ended a little too soon then. So that way we can, you know, compare. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We will uh we will watch this because well, I mean, again, it's the same people that brought us the Naked Gun movies and Airplane and and there are a few others, but those are like the, the main important ones. Okay, well, let's get back on But anyways, topic going going back opposites. to Solar Opposites, right? <laughs> so, instead of going over every single episode, let's I mean, talk we're kind about of just our jumping top 3 here. What were your top 3 memorable episodes that you liked here? Okay, so obviously there was the the wall episode. Okay, that... you can't include the wall. <laughs> Why not? It's too good. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Uh Okay, you know what? we'll do two because I I totally agree the wall is right there. Okay, um, the the Patricia device is, uh, okay, so that was effectively their, their gender roles one, because that's where we had Mank Ave, and also... Um, Shattering the glass ceiling. Yep. So there was that one. And then, honestly, I would say probably... The, the the red goobler one. Uh, the booster manifold. Yes. I would say that that one was probably my favorite, or in my top three. And in some ways, I feel that it was because of the antics that Terry and Corvo got up to, were pretty relatable. You mean it's totally relatable, the fact that, like, somebody stresses out so much they create a red baby that tries to kill you? Yeah. What do you think... <laughs> I mean, I can't remember if it's, I can't remember if it's a, uh, I think it's that you can get like a heart attack or you can have a heart stroke from too much stress, which you would get from being so upset and things like that. Like you can cause, you can kill yourself if you are running out and stress. Come on. That was, that was, that was the whole thing with the anger management episode of King of the Hill. The guy that he that he makes friends with, he he gets out of the class and he he goes and he has an episode and then he has a heart attack and he dies because he's so stressed out. So yeah, that is effectively what a red goobler is. It's just your heart killing you because your heart's like, I can't do this anymore. I give up. Stop it. Fair enough. Um, I would say my two favorite episodes were, uh, I think it's Lavic Reactor. Oh, um, oh, because that's the one where Terry and Corvo go to college, right? Yes, yes, that's the one, yep. Yeah. Where they go to college, yeah. So so they go to college, and Yum Yulak and Jesse keep going to school, despite the fact that it's summer break, and yeah. there's no one there. So uh, the, the principal, Cookie, and Miss Lin... I, I, think it, I think it's Cook, not Cookie. No, it's but... Cookie. It's oh, it, cookie. oh, it is? Yeah. Oh. God, that's great. Uh, and Miss Frankie. Uh, they're kind of like having an affair the entire time because she likes a guy who has power and well, he they, just likes her. And uh, Are they, they having up, an... Are they, are they necessarily having... Okay. Well, you know, they... There, there's a power struggle going that's on there that true. isn't, that isn't yeah. right. So it's, That's true. That's fair. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's not right, but it's right. They both like it. Is it right? Is it wrong? It's up to them. 
I don't know. It's totally up to them. Like, the, but, the stuff uh, that we've seen from them, again, it strikes me as this is all pretty consensual, so... It is, but it's like, <laughs> is it right? It's sort of like having yeah. a boss sleeping with a secretary type thing. Like, It's is it, true, it's true. It's especially not since, correct, yeah, but it's, it is something that happens. But mm-hmm. anyways, uh, this is something that happens throughout the show, and it's great. Uh, it's hilarious. The way that they go about it, because the power tripping that they do to like, uh, that they over sexualize for, uh, I think it's it's horribly, it's horribly awesomely done. <laughs> I think the thing that I like, uh, I had to think about which word to use because don't on, say tonguey. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so on one hand. Again, when I see what they do, I kind of sit there and I go, okay, all right, I did not need to see what they were doing. Just the way they were approaching it in the sense of like, you know, we're going to rip our clothes off or whatever. I'm just like, yep, they probably get up to some really freaky stuff. And then it's like, okay, you don't need to show me that. But we've talked about this in previous episodes about how I don't need to see those things. I can't imagine them and that's good enough. I do too, but it's part of the comedy. It's the shock value. It's like, oh, are they going to go there? Because what TV show would actually, oh, they actually did. This is a, this and now you're is, laughing true. because yeah, it's true. uncomfortable, right? This is true. This is very true. I, yeah, so, uh, this is true. You were laughing at it too because you're uncomfortable. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's fine. It, it's a normal reaction. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I did like that one. The la- la- Lavatic? La- I think it's Lavatic, yeah. And uh, I think it's Terry and Corvo steal a bear if i'm correct well that's the wall episode isn't it oh that is no um what's the other one what where uh are you talking about the where one with the, young with yalak the... and uh jesse grow the flowers um was that um, the booster manifold booster manifold yes it was oh right that oh, also... so it is the one with right the okay so yeah that, okay. <laughs> okay so that was the same episode okay sometime oh, you know, sometimes the things well, that happen... I will say that my next favorite one after that will be the quantum ring, where Kobo... Uh, <laughs> where he, where he becomes a magician? Them, yeah, he becomes a magician to try to get them into the, you know, helping with the ship and all that. Oh my god. <laughs> so the sp- fact that that was his end goal is just... <laughs> it's, it's definitely a Now You See Me episode. So the funny thing is that, in a way, that kind of reminds me of the heist episode from Rick and Morty. Yes, yes. But the interesting thing, in the sense that the end goal of everything that Corvo or Rick does is they wanted something from, in Corvo's case, the rest of the family, and in Rick's case, it was something from Morty, which is to shatter his dreams, (laughs) or one of his dreams anyways, and... Again, um, instead of it being all heist movie tropes, instead it's all magician and magic movie tropes. Like, at the very end, he kind of spells it out in saying, yeah, I watched Now You See Me, Now You See Me Too, and I watched The Prestige and things. That was one of those moments where I kind of sat there and I said, you kind of ruined the joke by explaining everything because when he did the bit with the black hole or... Was it a black hole? Yeah, it was a black Quantum hole. Ring, yeah. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. When he creates that and he's like, we're going to see what happens. And I'm sitting there going, this is the prestige. Like, this is the final act of the prestige. And that's great if you remember that sort of thing. So 
this, this is this is one of those things where sometimes I kind of, you know, fall off a little bit. And this happens in Rick and Morty, too, where they'll just spell out the joke. And I'll be like, come on, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> you know, Cameron, there is a certain humor that follows uh, biology where you have to dissect it. While that's and true. And there is some hilarity in that. And let's be honest, you got to be a little lowbrow. Not everybody's going to catch everything, too, right? You wow. might think that this is a... I mean, yes, that is true. Um, I get. I think I understand what you mean, especially when it comes to dissecting stuff. But that's what I have podcasts for, where we can talk about that outside of the show and just be like, "Hey, did you notice that that was, you know, a reference to such and such a thing, or did you notice that that was a reference to this?" And then you're like, "Oh, really?" How how so? And then you, you you have a dialogue about it, and but if they spell it out for you in the episode, it it robs still, me of that. We still have a dialogue about it, though. I mean, that's true. We're, we're not losing any content from this. In well, fact, we opened up a whole new content. <laughs> well, that's that's true, but I I mean, yeah, okay, you're right. I'm just I'm just griping is all. <laughs> <laughs> well, gripe those red googlers away. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I understand how they how they work, but at the same time, I sit there and I go, huh, I wonder how, how something like that would manifest from someone like me who is pretty even keel. So that's the thing it wouldn't because we're humans and we don't have that issue. Well, but... <laughs> not necessarily because how the Googlers are operating is effectively not too, not too dissimilar from when people work up a sweat and things like that if they're getting really stressed out or really nervous. No, they. We don't create life that wanders around and tries to be happy for us. Okay. Well, we shouldn't. It does happen on occasion, but that's not the primary purpose. <laughs> I mean, we must continue the infectious disease known as humanity, but it's not. It's whole other species of things that ends up not reprocreating and creating. I feel more. like you're doing this specifically just to be contrarian against my points. Yeah, I'm being the devil's advocate. <laughs> It's like, ah, oh, come on, Miles. You know that's not what I mean. <laughs> Why are you taking this so damn literally? Oh, well. Because it's the only way I get literature. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, it, it is kind of funny that we ended up having very similar favorite episodes. <laughs> yeah, well, we are kind of similar people a little bit to a point, but mm -hmm. we do differ on some things. But we do still have to go with uh, Terry and Corvo Steel. I love that title, Terry and Corvo Steel a Bear. Because that's actually what happened. Yeah, 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 so. yeah, you're right. If you're paying attention to what's happening outside of the wall. I like the, the, the description that they have for the synopsis at the very end after explaining all the, all the wall stuff. Meanwhile, Terry and Corvo steal a bear from a zoo. Yeah, that's the important thing that happens there. Uh, that's the important thing. So, I'm not going to lie, Cameron, when I wanted to show you this, I knew I had a 50-50 chance of you liking this or not. Yeah. I thought you were going to be like, after two episodes, being like, no, we can't do this. I literally thought that's the way it was going to go. Again, I was thinking that after the first episode, and it was, it was taking... There were, there were elements of it that, in my mind, were the things that I enjoyed the least in Rick and Morty. 
and they were just kind of ever present. And so in my mind, I was thinking if every episode is going to be like this, then no, I'm not going to enjoy it. I okay. will pro I would probably still recommend it the same way I did. Um, and you know, when I was saying back at the beginning about, I would recommend this to people that enjoy Rick and Morty. Um, but some people might bounce off of it. And again, the, the reasons, the, the things that I have brought up, the things that were taking me out of it, that kind of got settled down and toned down as the season went on. If they hadn't, then I probably would have been one of those people that would have been like, mm, no, this isn't for me. I understand why you enjoy it, but it's not for me. It's understandable. But uh, since we're kind of on this topic here a little bit, uh, let's talk <laughs> about the, the tone and the theme of the show. What do you think it is? The tone and the theme? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> okay, so tone. Um, it's not A minor. Yeah, no. <laughs> I definitely get the feeling that this is just... Um, it's sort of this whole, my neighbor is an alien and they don't understand how humans work and they're sort of trying to figure out with terrifying results. Fair enough. For humans. <laughs> like, how many people have they killed? <laughs> but they had those weapons that heal people too. <laughs> actually, actually, that's a very good point. Once they revealed that, I wonder how, how, how often they have to clean up. But and also like that one ep uh, the lava episode where he ends up decimating the city. Yeah, and, and then uh, and and he collects all the ashes so that he can uh, recreate, recreate them. them. And then he's like, "Well, they have to start at babies, but hey, they get a second chance at life." So, um, so that's how the, the that's the tone the, I get. Yeah, the tone, uh, the themes in the episodes. It's kind of different every single one. So. Oh yeah, sure. Do you think that they came through clear though? Yes, actually, I do. Okay, that's good. That's important. I like that. Um, let's talk about the voice acting and the characters. Do you think that the voice acting was done well? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Again, very... Um, Corvo definitely starts off as being a Rick-like character, and then he gets toned down a fair amount, which I, I do think was in the best interest of the show, honestly. Oh, I, I totally agree with you on that. If this was just another Rick, that would have not made this a good show. Yeah. But the and and the kind of the interesting thing too, now that we've kind of gone through <laughs> all of the people that are involved and who they are, uh, where they came from and things like that, it's actually um in a way it makes sense that it is as good as it is because most of the big people that are cast in this they are veterans of voice acting. I don't think uh, Middleditch has done a lot of... I don't think he did as much voice acting as other people, but there's a whole bunch of comedy stuff that he's done. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, lots. Tons of it. Because he's the main character for um, Silicon Valley. There's a couple movies that I had seen him in before this. And so, yeah, he he's, he's a pro when it comes to this stuff. I mean, Sean... Uh, what a Jumbrone, Jumbroni. I mean, been doing this for decades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about the dialogue here. I know you had a few gripes about uh, the uh, you know, the improvising in that. Well, but... and again, the interesting thing about that is that that kind of disappeared as the episodes were going on. 
or it, it didn't, didn't yeah. because they kind of rolled with it. Yeah. And and I think part of that too is also especially when you got um so Thomas Middleditch also uh he's a stand-up comedian and he's just done so much comedy. So there's a certain amount of improv that always happens with comedy shows or so I've been told. I don't Oh, you haven't seen comedy shows. No, no, no. That's not what like I mean. Like live comedy. Um, like live stand-up. I have been to a couple comedy clubs, and I've watched stand-up, and I've seen how they oh, play yeah. off the audience and things like that. But no, I've never gone to see a live taping of a show before. Any any show, whether it be going and watching... Um, a radio show that is filmed in front of a live audience or, you know, going to see Red Green in or 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 This Hour's 22 Minutes or uh, Royal Canadian Air Force back when it was still around and actually being in the audience to watch those shows. No, I have not had the chance to do that yet. So I have actually seen Red Green live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen Dane Cook. Uh, Dane Cook wasn't my thing. Like, he was all right, but... I was more for there for the people I was with. Uh, yes, Red there are, there are very many people that Dane Cook is not their thing. Yes, <laughs> it's understandable. But Red Green, you've seen Red Green live. Yeah, he was here. Oh, oh right, 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 right. Well, so so how was that? It was good. I really enjoyed it. Well, I mean, I mean, how was that in the sense of how how did it go down? Um, it was very much a stand-up mm-hmm. comedy routine with a little bit of storytelling. Uh, which I really enjoyed because he did talk about uh, things that happened on the sets as well as a bit of his actual life experience. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of joked about it. So it was very much your uh, basically Marvelous Miss Maisel style of comedy. Oh, okay. So it was really good. I really enjoyed it. My dad loved it too. This was before he lost his hearing. So uh, he could hear it pretty well. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he could, uh, he could uh, experience that. No, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was great. Okay. Uh, so, so again, what, what I was meaning in what I've heard is that this is what I've been told, is that in a fair amount of, or I guess pretty much all comedy shows, there is a certain amount of improvisation that grows as the show goes on as well. I even was told that for that 70s show in one episode where Red sprays Eric with a hose or something at the very end because he's... This is before he and Donna start having sex. Before they become a a couple, yeah. Right. But, well, I mean, they're a couple too, and then the sex comes later. That's true, yeah. Yeah. So this was still in the early stages before that had happened, but the entire point of that episode was that both the friends groups were trying to push them to do it, and then they were both, at the end of the episode, just being like, do you mind if we just wait until we're both kind of ready? And then Eric's just like, okay, how about now? Oh, I'm ready now. You know, whenever you're ready, how about now? And then she's like, bye. Yeah. And then he's just there sitting on top of the Vista Cruiser. And then Red pops out with the hose and sprays him. <laughs> and then he's like, it's for your own good. And apparently that's not what Kurtwood Smith was supposed to do in that part. He was supposed to come out and just kind of like smack him on the head and call him a dumbass or something. But instead he was like, nah, he's he's in heat or whatever, so I'm just going to spray him like he's a, a cat a dog, in heat or yeah. something, or a dog. <laughs> and so he does. And 
Topher Grace was not expecting it. So his reaction, where he like actually looked kind of pissed off, was like, who the hell? Oh, okay. And so he got a really natural reaction out of it. But it's hard to really... it. Those things are hard to do. So that actually reminds me of Will Smith in uh, The Prince, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm-hmm. So Will Smith was actually the one who kind of wrote the whole story. And right. he was the one who was in charge of also like trying to find the right cast and crew in that. Because he wanted to make sure everything was right. So when uh, the father figure comes through, I forget his name. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For that one scene. Yeah. Or like when his actual dad is there, right? No, no, or, not his dad. Oh, but, oh uh, okay. The, the the uncle. Yeah, 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 uncle, right. Uh, I forget what his... I forget his name is. Yeah, but... Anyways, so mm-hmm, when, right, the, right. when the actor came in to, like, sit down for the audition, uh, he literally came in, saw this young black punk with his sneakers up on the, t- on the table and said... Uh, he sat down and said, sit up straight, get your feet off the table and smarten up. And then, of course, Will Smith was like, you're hired. <laughs> it's just... That's exactly just like what that. he was looking for. So... <laughs> well <laughs> Uncle Phil that's who, that's who it was okay there we go yeah and it was, it was a perfect it was a perfect uh, example of it but you know what enough talking about all this let's get back to the show I mean it, it, it works though it does you know uh, let's talk about the editing the editing <laughs> yeah do you think it was edited fairly well like yes it wasn't too choppy it didn't kind of jump too far because I know sometimes they can jump a little too too far forward in some TV shows and that. Yeah, I thought that this was actually put together really well, where even though they did have to balance jumping between uh, the different plots, it did it did it so in an organic enough way that you didn't feel that you were missing anything from moving up. That is one of the harder things for shows, especially once they get if they've been going for a really long time um, and everyone has these really big characters now, there can be, well, I mean, that can also be a writing issue as well. But from an editing perspective, you, you get into this issue where you have to balance everybody's screen time. Yeah. And that's always tough to do too, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you think about the music of the show? I honestly feel that the music wasn't really present I kind of didn't notice if there was a soundtrack outside of the one episode. And the intro. (laughs) And the intro. Uh, I mean, it's not that there wasn't music happening in the background because there is music that plays over the the credits as well. But then that scene, I think, changed every episode as well. And sometimes you would have some... um, a song or something instead. But... In the episodes themselves, it didn't really feel like there was a soundtrack. There probably was, but it didn't stand out to me in the way I've talked about music. And sort of like if we compare it to something like uh, Final Space or Undone, it didn't, if it was there, I didn't notice it because it didn't feel that it was adding anything. Yeah. So. It was just kind of there, uh, except it was human of course, music. It, you know, it 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 adds to the background, <laughs> and it's it's not really there to be enjoyed. You're supposed to be focusing on everything else, and I get that. You know human what? I music. totally agree with you on that. <laughs> um, and and that's fine because there are plenty of shows that I have watched 
that they try to only have music where it will be, um, I always forget if it's diegetic or non-diegetic. I always forget which is which, but... Um, we need to go ask the Church of Scientology. <laughs> that's, uh, that's not what I mean. But So whichever of the terms it is, that is when you have music that is organic, that is being heard because someone is in their car and they have their radio on, or you're walking around town and this is what you hear coming from the speakers from a cafe or something like yeah. that, as opposed to the other way, which is the music is coming from the composer and it's supposed to draw out emotions or something from you to heighten whatever is happening in the scene. Um, okay, would you agree about that with the episode of The Wall? So that one is different, right? So that one, because of the fact that we didn't really have a soundtrack before, I felt that they were doing that not necessarily to make up for lacking of a soundtrack, but just because of the fact that we finally get this nice big epic tale about the wall, so we may as well go all all out. We just, you know... Dare you say balls to the walls? <laughs> I I was very tempted to say that one, but I, I, I was instead going to go with a better music one and say they were going to crank it all the way up to 11 instead. Ah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> and it was totally worth it. I think I was reading here that their composer actually got to conduct the orchestra himself for that um, for that episode, which is pretty cool. He did, and uh, he, he did an amazing job as well. Which is honestly something that doesn't always happen. So for, believe it or not, a lot of composers, um, like uh, the... the um, not Howard Shore. Ah, darn it. Um, Hans Zimmer. Uh, so guys like Hans Zimmer or uh, Junkie XL uh, or Tom Holkenberg as his actual name, a lot of those composers for film scores or TV scores, they don't actually conduct it. It's usually conducted by somebody else. Um, someone that will be hired by the studio or something, probably because it might be cheaper to get an, a conductor to do it as opposed to paying the composer a second time. Um, it could just be the fact that the composer and conductor are two very different jobs and they might not be good at that, right? But there is also that as well. So not every composer is a great conductor. Not every conductor is a great composer. Not every conductor is necessarily a great player. Um, sort of just like some directors that I've worked under may have started as performers, and then they said I wasn't that great as a performer, and then I decided that I still love doing this, and so I pivoted into becoming a director, and I'm so much happier, and everyone else is happy because I do really well here. Yeah, I totally agree that some people can build a train and other people can drive it, but not everybody can do both. <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. So... Good on him that he was able to, you know, do both of those. And, I mean, that score was pretty fantastic just for that one episode. Okay. Because And it's there for a lot of the episode, too. Yeah. So uh, let's move on and say what were, two thing, what were two or three things that you really liked about this show that made you want to recommend it? 
And then what are two or three things you hated about this? <laughs> All right, so number one, the wall. <laughs> no, no, not episodes. No, 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 no. I mean the concepts of the wall. The fact that it, like, took over the show, too. <laughs> sure, I guess so. Like, it could basically be its own TV show. Yeah, it honestly could. Um, that... Um, I would say probably, um, the pupa as well, because the interesting thing with the pupa is that you think that it's this vulnerable thing, right? But man, the, the stuff that the pupa has gone through and still hasn't died, it's a very sturdy pupa. <laughs> it's, uh, you know what, that, that speaks of two different things. One... Either it is a very, very strong thing, mm -hmm. or two, we and everything on Earth cannot compare to what these, this species is. That's true, too. Like, it's one or the other, and you never really know. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's very true. And the third thing, believe it or not, I actually like the dynamic between Terry and Corvo. Oh, fair enough. I, I totally agree that... It's not the whiny, sniveling, sort of Rick and Morty thing that they got going mm -hmm. on. It's it's just like, yeah, you do you, and I'm going to do me, and yep. I'm happy as long as you're happy, but he's unhappy that you're not helping. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a, it's a very good dynamic, and not enough shows do that, because I think it's because it's not enough of a contrast mm -hmm. for a lot of things. Um, and people don't look at the contrast between, like... They want to look at the contrast between competent and incompetent instead of caring and not caring. Yeah. Because, I don't know, that's just kind of the way that we were raised in that, and that's something mm -hmm. that Roiland got awesome. <laughs> on, the, on the flip side of that, one of the things that didn't really work for me, actually, is the dynamic between Jesse and Yumulak. That's totally understandable. In the sense of how they play off of each other. So when they are working together, I think it's great, but, and sort of went... When they're off on their own doing their own things, I think it also works. But it seems that whenever they're they're kind of together and they're at odds with each other, it kind of falls apart, which sometimes can be the driving point of their plot for dare an episode. We, dare we say they're solar opposites <laughs> as well? <laughs> I suppose we could say that. Uh, I'm just saying that that didn't work for me and was a weaker part. What else? Let's see. Um, there are some moments, probably one or two per episode, where there was gross-out things, whether it was from violence or from sexuality or just, you know, really, really going to the into the deep end for dark humor or something like that there would be certain moments where i would just kind of go oh that no uh you no you went too far <laughs> yeah yeah you, you lost me i'm i'm off I'm, I'm off this train no but it would it would probably be uh for oh man i can't even necessarily uh conjure up a specific example at this moment but i think in one of the ones uh, it might have been either the nanobot or <laughs> the lava water uh, from ice the, lava. Yeah, the, the ice lava. I mean, that one was a little bit different because they course corrected. 
because of the fact that like everyone turns to Ash and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of dead people. And then it's like, oh, well, they're babies. And I was like, all right, that kind of makes it better that they didn't kill all of those people. But that certainly went to a place that I'm not sure about. <laughs> um, but with the, the nanobot one where it was just kind of like the stuff, I was just like, oh, okay, we've, again, we've, we've gone, we've gone past my stop on this train <laughs> and I didn't have a chance to get off. Uh, I would enough. say those are probably the big things. Any other things like that? We've already talked a little bit about. Fair enough. Well, I don't know if there's anything else to really talk about because, quite frankly, I like all of this. Uh, the things that I didn't really like about it, I guess you could say, were... Um, I do feel like that there's a one too many different plots going on. Yeah. And I do want to see if they all converge because I've only seen two seasons and I know that there's a third out and a fourth coming out in 2023. Oh, wow. Uh, but actually as a surprise for our listeners, Cameron and I are going to watch the third season together. Ooh, okay. And then we're going to do a, a thing on this. So oh man. We're going to we... do a, a podcast on it. So we're going to be going in fresh and that is spelled with a PH uh, uh, to guarantee okay. essicity levels. Oh uh, God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but until then... I'm your host, Miles. And I'm Cam, and we'll see you next time. Yep. See you then.